welcome back to another episode of Thrive Abatic. My name is Kate and I'm your host. This week I am sitting down with Dom. I met him via social media, pretty much just like I've met everyone else who I've talked to on this podcast. And Dom has a pretty interesting diagnosis story and just interesting experience with diabetes as he deals with multiple autoimmune disorders at the same time. So I'll save that all for him to explain, but um, it was really great having him on and just hearing his story. Aside from that, I just had my 15-year diversary, which feels really weird. 15 years kind of feels like a big milestone, like a decade and a half of living with diabetes, but Um, I guess if I'm being honest, I felt kind of confused about my diversity and how I feel about it just because it feels, I feel a lot of emotions when I think of that, when I think of like my 10 year old self being diagnosed and for how long I've dealt with this and it feels good because I feel like I've overcome a lot in those 15 years and I've learned so much about myself and my body and I've just really grown a lot because of diabetes, which I'm really grateful for, and I've met a lot of amazing people through it, but at the same time, it it sometimes feels really sad to me, and I think that the last two weeks I've been having a harder time with diabetes, just with more highs and lows and that affecting my emotions a lot, so sometimes it's hard, and I, I also think of all the pain that I've felt over the last 15 years, just mentally, emotionally, physically, all of those things, and it can be a lot. So yeah, I don't know. Um, overall, right now, I'm just trying to be gentle with myself and um, proud of myself for everything that I've been through in the last 15 years. Um, and hey, if I didn't have diabetes, I would not have this podcast. And I would not have met so many of the amazing people that I have met through living with this disease. So for that, I'm grateful. And let's get into it with today's episode. Please welcome Dom. Dom, thank you so much for being here today. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? Hey, Kate. I'm good. How are you? Doing pretty good. Um, How's diabetes for you lately? Just to get started. Like, how's diabetes today anyways? Such a loaded question. Um, Lately, it hasn't been very kind to me, um, but, you know, I'm I'm getting through it. Um, I recently had COVID, so back in May, I had COVID, and that really just, like, wrecked my insulin sensitivity. Mm -hmm. So, like, COVID, I was, like, um, I just had super low sensitivity. So, literally, I would take you know, a bunch of rage boluses pretty much. And it just wouldn't come down. It really wouldn't. Um, it wouldn't budge. So after that, I, you know, got through COVID, got better. And the instant sensitivity kind of shot shot up like after COVID. Like I noticed like two weeks after COVID ran its course, it I kept going low after every meal. So no matter what I ate, I would have pizza, cereal, like things that you think would spike your blood sugar after eating them and it, it would like come up a little bit but then it would shoot rocket down so it was uh it was quite the experience but yeah diabetes hasn't been too terrible to me uh lately but could could be better <laughs> i'm in the exact same boat i had covid like a month ago and i hadn't gotten it for like the 
full two years and I was like I'm not gonna get it like I'm I'm in the clear like COVID's not really a thing anymore and then I got it and it wasn't like too horrible for me like at least like sickness wise but like I had the same thing like my blood sugar was so high so I had to like up the basal rate a lot which helped but like I swear it was like a little bit high for probably like three to four weeks like my insulin sensitivity like didn't come back down for a while yeah it's crazy how something like that can affect your insulin sensitivity for as long as it did like I was like okay like COVID's come and gone and it's been a few and I'm like it's still having the same issues so I was like really confused why it was dragging on for so long but I I guess it's It's weird how like diabetes makes you so aware of like kind of how the body works because like like you said, like, I, I mean, for me, like, I didn't, I wasn't sick anymore. Like, I was fine, but you can tell that, like, your body's still, like, kind of running through it because, like, your blood sugar is still high and, like, won't come down. Exactly. I know, and it's, like you said, getting it after two years, it's, like, kind of almost embarrassing to get it. <laughs> wow, I'm not even, like, part of the, the mass population that had it, so, like, I'm just No, I agree. <laughs> I thought, like, I was immune. I was, like, I am superior. Like, I might have an autoimmune disorder, but, like, somehow <laughs> I'm avoiding COVID for this long, and then I got it, and I was, like, what the heck? <laughs> but I'm glad that's over with, so. Oh, me yeah. too. I think I'm finally coming back down to, like, my normal insulin sensitivity. Like, I'm noticing some highs and some like lows that are normal but not as like frequent as they were with COVID so I was like thank god that's over yeah I think mine's studying out finally as well and I mean it's like summer I don't know about you but summer is always like a little bit harder just because I feel like you're doing so much and like I don't know so many like weekend plans that just mess with your blood sugar so I don't know it's never ending with that but at least yeah more yeah, exactly. I know it's like it's hard with summer because you're like so active with different activities, and you're like I feel like in summertime I'm more active than in the wintertime. Like I have more hiking and like swimming and stuff, like going to the beach, and um, yeah, that definitely affects you know your insulin sensitivity as well. Yeah, everything does. <laughs> Never stays the same. Is what it seems. <laughs> Yeah, there's so many factors that influence blood sugar. It's it's insane. Mm-hmm. So I want to go like way back and I want you to talk about your diabetes story and just like kind of like your experience. So tell me about your diagnosis with diabetes. Like when were you diagnosed and what was that experience like for you? Yeah, so um, I was actually diagnosed when I was 14. Um most people get diagnosed through like DKA and like they experience the symptoms. But for me, I I had kind of like a a, a rare, I don't want to say rare, but like kind of like abnormal diagnosis story. So I was actually going through a bunch of intestinal issues. Um, I would have to go to the bathroom, like literally two bites into every meal. Like no matter what I ate, I had to go to the bathroom, had like constant bathroom anxiety wherever I went because you know, I would have to use the bathroom so frequently. So I was like, I can't keep living like this. I'm like 14 years old. Like my mom was my mom. I call her my, my health coach. She's like been by my side through all of my, my health issues. But um, she's like, you can't keep living like this. Like you need to go see a doctor. And I was like, I agree like wholeheartedly. I, I just can't do this anymore. So we finally went to go see like a bunch of gastroenterologists and 
they scheduled a bunch of tests and you know, I had, you know, a bunch of, bunch of uh, intestinal issues going on and they were like, we need to schedule you for a colonoscopy. And I was like, Oh gosh, what's that? <laughs> so then um, I like, you know, Googled it, asked my parents what, what's a colonoscopy. Like the doctor was telling me what it was. And I was like, this sounds like really intimidating and scary. And they're like, no, don't worry, you'll be asleep. And I'm like, okay. So um, after the colonoscopy happened, they, they literally, I woke up from a slumber, best sleep of your life. But um, <laughs> you wake up from your slumber and the doctor's like, listen, your intestines are so inflamed. We need to admit you to the hospital right now. And I'm like half asleep, like what's going on? And they're like, you need to go to the hospital. So I was like, okay. So we go to the hospital and they are like, you need to be started on steroids for the inflammation. And I was like, okay. So they put me on the steroids and then the steroids impacted my, my blood sugars. I noticed that um, they tested my blood sugar and they're like, okay, like your blood sugars are, you know, out of whack and you're probably going to be diagnosed with steroid induced diabetes now. And I'm like, diabetes, like what? Like I was, I was just diagnosed, like they diagnosed me with Crohn's disease at that point. And they're like, so now you're giving me a Crohn's diagnosis and then steroid induced diabetes. And I was like, this is a lot to handle all at once. So then they, they come in and they're like, here's an orange, here's syringes. And they're like, you need to learn how to give yourself insulin shots. <laughs> like, oh wow, okay. So I, I learned how to give myself insulin within like 20 minutes. Like pretty much learned how to manage diabetes in 20 minutes. And they were like, okay, so now after this, you're gonna go home and you're gonna take these steroids. And after you take, after you wean off the steroids, your diet, your man, like your steroid-induced diabetes should be gone by then, and you should be back to normal. So I was like, okay, like thank God that's going away. Like I don't have to worry about it anymore. So after I weaned off the steroids, um, my blood sugar started to creep back up again. And I was like, okay, this isn't, this isn't normal. Like I thought this was over and they're like, yeah, um, you actually have type one diabetes now. And I was like, great. <laughs> it's like, what, what's that mean? So that I, you know, had to learn that whole diagnosis. And they're like, you have this for the rest of your life. There's no cure. And I was like, okay, I'm going to take this and run with it and try to do my best with it and take it day by day. And here we are, wow. uh, almost 13 years later. But yeah, it was, uh, it was quite the, the diagnosis, I would say. Yeah, I mean, that's so much at once. I'm like, like a diabetes diagnosis in and of itself is so much, especially for a 14 year old, like no matter what age you are. But like having that on top of it is crazy. So like with, so you had like the Crohn's diagnosis and what was the like treatment like for that? Like what did, what do you have to do to like manage that? So with, with Crohn's disease, um, there's actually like an umbrella for I, it's IBD inflammatory bowel disease. Um, it, it usually branches off into Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis. So my diagnosis kind of started as um, Crohn's disease, but then it now is currently ulcerative colitis. So as like inflammation kind of like pops up, it kind of can change the diagnosis. So um, ulcerative colitis kind of has inflammation in the whole colon, whereas Crohn's disease is kind of like sectioned in different, like one, one part of the colon. Um, but yeah, like medication is usually 
you can either, it depends on the symptoms, but usually some people can just take oral meds. Some people take just like probiotics and then like more severe cases you have to take like biologics, which is like a shot every um, eight months or sorry, eight weeks. And then um, some people have to get infusions, but it really depends on like what your symptoms are and how severe your, your uh, diagnosis is. Okay. So then did they say like, since you didn't have diabetes before and then you basically had it because of the steroids, like can steroids like give you like type one diabetes or was it just like that? It kind of just like happened that way that like you had it because of the steroids and then after something happened there. Yeah. I feel like I could have got like a lawsuit there. (laughs) Well, like, I, I think the steroids, like steroid-induced diabetes is relatively common, I think, but I don't think it's supposed to like trigger, you know, type one or anything like that. Um, but I think like type one was always bound to happen for me, but having the Crohn's you know, diagnosis and the steroids on top of that kind of like rushed the, the process and brought it on sooner than it should have, you know, came up. Maybe I would have been diagnosed like now if I didn't have those steroids. So like, and, and almost it's like a blessing in disguise that I was diagnosed younger. Cause now like I'm an adult and I like know how to manage it. And I, I like have learned so much over the last 12 years and it's just made it like a lot easier on me rather than like learning how to, do, how to manage diabetes as like a 20, you know, six year old. So I, I know like live, I don't know if you, you know, live, but she's uh, another type one diabetic and she was diagnosed at 27. And I'm like, I couldn't imagine being diagnosed that late in life. Yeah, Um, I feel like that always gets brought up as like age of diagnosis because I mean, no matter what, it sucks. And like for a teenager or a child to get diagnosed with it, like that's so much responsibility. But at the same time, like at that time, you obviously have the support of your parents and you kind of just like grow up with it as in like, this is a part of my life and a part of my routine rather than like being well into your 20s. And then having to figure that out, like, that would be so difficult. Yeah, I think, like, depending on when you were diagnosed, it, it has, you know, different different points of view. So, like, I know there's some diabetics that I've met have been diagnosed since they were, like, you know, a few months old. And that's hard. Like, I, I couldn't imagine, like, being diagnosed so young. But that's all they know. So, in a sense, like, that's a, that's a positive for them. Like, this is their life. They know how to do it. Like they've had so many years of exposure and experience to this. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you're 27, you, you know, have you had your whole like twenties, basically your teens to like live a normal life. And now all of a sudden you're faced with this diagnosis and I, I can imagine how hard that would be. So yeah. I was back dab in the middle of that as a teenager. So I'm, I'm kind of mm-hmm. thankful there that I kind of got, you know, a little bit of both, but. Yeah. So how was that for you? Like, having both of those diagnoses at the same time. And also, I mean, you were probably what, like a freshman in high school, like that's an adjustment too, like going into high school and figuring all that out. What was that like for you? Yeah. I mean, when I was growing up in high school, it was, it was a lot to handle at once. I'm sure like, I think what you were diagnosed when like you were 10. Yeah. Yeah. So like, that's, that's pretty young to be diagnosed. And it, it's hard. Like, I'm sure you you had the same experience, like going through high school is, is a, 
a hard time for everybody just because you're, you're growing up, you're, you're changing, you're learning who you are. And um, on top of that, you have to deal with this diagnosis and it's like, okay, so I have to manage this on top of life. And it's, it's a lot to handle at once, but um, I think I, I think I made the best of it. Um, I, ha- I surrounded myself with uh, supportive friends and they were always there to, you know, check. They're like, Hey, check your blood sugar. Like, I think, you know, you might be high, you might be low. Like they would, they would ca- kind of catch up on the, the symptoms that I was experiencing mm-hmm. even before I would notice sometimes. Um, so like they, it's, it's good to surround yourself with like supportive friends and family and people that can kind of, you know, support you on your, your diabetic journey. Yeah, definitely. Super important. Do you feel like, um, like how has your mental health like been with diabetes? Like, was it fine for the most part when you were in high school or like, cause I know like you've talked about like diabetes burnout before, like when, when has that happened for you? Um, I would say more so recently, like in adulthood, I've, I've experiencing a lot more burnout than in your teenage years and, and college. I mean, in college, there was there was a few times where I kind of experienced burnout, but I'd say mostly now, like as an adult is when I kind of experienced the burnout and kind of the mental health aspect. And because I think now after so long, I, I finally um, realized like all the stuff that I went through, it took like a, a long time to process all that. Like when you're so young, you don't really like process anything that you're going through. Um, but now like after I've like processed it all and I, I feel like it's, it's, um, it's a lot more, you know, able to be processed and digestible now that I'm, you know, an adult now. Um, yeah, like when I have burnout, I, I really just like kind of not neglect my diabetes, but I don't take as much care as I should. So like, for example, I, I usually like, if I see, look down at my Dexcom and I see like a, a 300 reading, I like just full blown rage bullets. Like when I'm having burnout, I just like, don't want to deal with it. I just like throw in a, a huge dose and then just like throw it to the side and don't even look until you know, I'm urgently low or something. Um, but like, I don't think I've ever been to the point of burnout where I just like neglect my diabetes hundred percent and like not test just because it's like become a second way of life to me at this point. Um, but yeah, that like, that's, that's like the hardest part I would say. And like the whole, um, process of eating like all the thoughts that you have to put into eating like you got to look at the carbs you got to look at the the fat the protein like um and on top of that I have to look like oh is it gluten-free now and like because I was just diagnosed with celiac disease a few years or a year and a half ago so have that to look forward to but yeah do you do you like um think like the the whole thought process behind eating is is hard as well Oh yeah, for sure. Like I'm, I hate that too, because like eating is such like a fun part of life and like, especially like going to restaurants and like, I don't know, eating ice cream in the summer, just things like that. And you're right. Like it's so much that you have to think about when you're just trying to like enjoy something. And it's hard too, because like you, most people eat two to three times a day, like in snacks, I don't know, stuff like that. Like I like to snack too. And like, it's, 
it's just so much to think about. And like, I can't even imagine like with what you go through, like on top of diabetes, which I wanted to talk about celiac as well, because um, that's like a newer one for you. What was that diagnosis like for you? <laughs> so, uh, well, like with the Crohn's diagnosis, they, they kind of, with Crohn's and celiac, they kind of can overlap. So sometimes your, your celiac markers can be elevated because you have IBD and it, it kind of like is almost like a false positive essentially. Um, so they were always kind of tiptoeing on the diagnosis for me. And they're like, yeah, you might have celiac, but you might not. And I was like, okay, like, what do I do with that? information? <laughs> but um like after I switched doctors and kind of, you know, got some more opinions, I, I had a routine colonoscopy and they, you know, did a, a biopsy and they were like, yeah, you like definitely have celiac disease. There's like no doubt about it. Like you should definitely start the gluten-free diet today. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, why didn't they tell me this earlier? Like I always knew that it could be celiac, but they never like give me a definitive diagnosis. So it was, it was kind of enlightening to know that like I actually had celiac and I should, you know, stop eating gluten. Um, but it is, it is like a, a challenge to try to, you know, find food. Like the hardest part is eating out because, you know, you never know how they're going to prepare your food, if it's going to get cross contaminated and you got to, you know, be very like conscious of that and make phone calls ahead of time and be like, Hey, do you have like separate fires for your fries or, do you cook, you know, things on the grill as other items? And so that, that's like um, one, of the, one of the hardest challenges is eating out, I would say. But yeah, it's, it's pretty much, you know, a second way of life as well. So I'm almost, I'm still adjusting. I don't, I don't want to say I'm fully adjusted to that, but I'm still getting there. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot to deal with and take in. I think, like, for any diabetic, eating out at restaurants is already difficult and, like, having to think about things being gluten-free and stuff like that. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, like, maybe what celiac is, can you, like, explain that? Yeah, so it's it's basically an autoimmune disease, and your body can't, um, like, have gluten. So that's wheat, rye, barley, and any derivatives of that. Um, if it, if you do ingest these, you know, wheat derivatives, it can, you know, damage your, your small intestine or your large intestine, um, any part of the GI tract, and it can cause you to, you know, have malabsorption and a bunch of various symptoms. So, um, yeah, you pretty much have to cut anything gluten related out of your diet completely. And that even goes for like cross contamination. So if it like touches any, like, like if I have a regular piece of bread and it like touches a gluten-free piece of bread, that gluten-free piece of bread is cross-contaminated, which is kind of crazy, mm -hmm. but. Yeah, I never realized, I, I have a friend who has celiacs too, and I, I didn't realize how like intense it is with gluten. Like I thought it was just like you cut gluten out, but I didn't know that like there was so much like cross-contamination. And like, I remember um, freshman year of college, there was like this uh, sandwich place or whatever, and the like for anyone who like needed the gluten-free bread they would have to like change their gloves and like get that and like make sure it was like cleared off and stuff like that but like I didn't know that it was that serious so yeah I, I had no idea it was that serious either until like I was diagnosed and I was like they, they told me they're like you have to get new pots and pans and a whole oh new 
and everything. I'm like, oh gosh, like this is this is really legit. Like you can't yeah. mess up. It's crazy, but yeah, I've like got a whole new kitchen set. Like had to kind of you know get that situated and um, kind of threw away all of my food that had gluten in it before I was diagnosed and um, kind of had to start over basically wow. from. But wow, that's a lot. So <laughs> how do you feel like you like manage all of these different things at once? Like what helps you? just like get through it mentally and just deal with it on a daily basis? Uh, I think, you know, having um, a lot of things that kind of get your mind off it. Um, Cause you know, it's good to have, you know, a little bit of an escape sometimes um, cause it can be a lot to handle all at once. So like good, it's good to have hobbies and kind of, you know, get yourself out there a little bit and, and find a sense of community because, um, without, you know, these communities that I've found, I honestly would be left in the dust. I feel like before I even found the diabetic community, I'm sure you're, you know how big the diabetic community is online. It's like, I, I felt like, like, like I literally felt alone. Like there was maybe, I don't know, three or four people in high school that had diabetes, but I didn't really like hang out with them or talk to them all that much. I mean, yeah, we would pass you know, injecting insulin at lunchtime, but that was, you know, <laughs> the extent of that. So it's, it's good to finally be able to talk like face to face and, you know, like something like this where you meet people online and you kind of hear their experiences and kind of, you know, see how similar you really are. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, without community, I feel like we would all, you know, be, be struggling a lot more than we think we would. Yeah, I feel the same way. When was it that you discovered the diabetes community and like started posting online about your experiences? Oh, so like before COVID, I really had no idea the diabetic community existed. And then during COVID, I was like super bored. I was like, fine, I'll just make a TikTok. <laughs> I, was like, I guess I'll follow the crowd here and make a TikTok. And then I like posted this really stupid TikTok of like me injecting insulin, just like, I don't know, super casual. And like people started, you know, commenting and liking it. And they were like, oh my gosh, like I have diabetes too. And I was like, wait, there's like a whole slew of people on here that have diabetes. Like, this is awesome. And my one friend reached out to me and she's like, you should like really start making diabetes content. She's like, I think it'd be, you know, a great sense of community and you'd really get out there. And I'm like, you know, that's not a bad idea. So I started creating more content and, you know, started meeting a lot more people and yeah, now here we are. (laughs) No, I think that's really cool. I feel like that's a lot of people's stories for the most part is like, they like on a whim were like, Oh, I'm just going to post something about diabetes. And then you like realize that there's so many people out there that have it. And I don't know, it's, it's crazy to see that. Like, I, I think that I forget, like it just, being like in my own little world like out here you don't I mean like every once in a while you see some of the Dexcom or something like that but like you forget like how many people there really are out there that like you're not seeing their devices or they don't have a medical device so how would you know and like things like right. that it's cool to know that there are a lot of us out there <laughs> to lean on yeah like do you find yourself when you like go out in public now and you like look at people and you're like I wonder if they have like diabetes or like you like think that 
you know, there's people out there that you would have no idea that have it and they do. And I remember one time I went to a concert and I was in this VIP experience. It was the band Camino. I don't know if you know them, but um, they're like one of my favorite bands. And I went in this VIP experience and I was like talking to this girl, just like casually getting to know her. And she was like, she like pulled out her glucometer and I was like, <laughs> have diabetes too. And like, <laughs> like an instant like friendship, like from there on out, I was like, oh, we gotta be friends now. Like, you don't have a choice. That's so funny. Yeah, I feel like it, it always is like an instant connection. Like if someone else has diabetes, I'm like, we're best friends. Like, I don't care if we literally have nothing else in common, like this thing will bond us. <laughs> yeah, like we all like that we go through every day. So it's like amazing meeting other diabetics out there. Yeah, I completely agree. That's definitely been like the biggest thing. And have you found other people um, who have like celiac or IBD as well as diabetes? Yeah, I, I've met a few people in, in the IBD community and the celiac disease community as well, but not as many as the diabetic community because, you know, my page is mostly centered around my diabetes. But um, yeah, I have met quite a few people in the other two communities as well. And it's it's nice how like big the chronic illness community is in general. Like there's so many chronic illnesses that, you know, we don't know about. And it's it's good to like learn and hear their experiences as well. So, yeah, yeah I, I really like TikTok for that reason, because it's really connected me with a lot of people that I wouldn't have connected with otherwise. Yeah, I agree with that. There's definitely, like, even if someone with, like, a chronic illness, like, doesn't have the same experience or even, like, a sim- like that much of a similar one, like, it always, I don't know, they always, like, relate to each other, it seems like. Like, people who have these illnesses where, like, if you have to think about it like all the time and like manage it all the time, then it's like, we'll understand each other and like get each other on that level, which has been really cool. Like I, I've definitely like found a lot of even just like art pages, like on Instagram and stuff like that of people just like talking in general about chronic illnesses. And it seems like people can relate no matter what they have, which is really cool. Yeah. I I love the fact of like the big fact about chronic illnesses, how we're, we're kind of like trying to break the stigma of chronic illnesses in general. And I think that's amazing because, you know, there's, there's a lot of invisible illnesses out there that that's like people can't see on a daily basis. So it's good to kind of like spread awareness and, you know, let people know what we go through on a daily basis. So we can kind of, you know, connect to them in that sense. Yeah, definitely makes you feel less alone too which I think has been like the biggest part of it all for sure yeah I I honestly would still feel alone to this day if I didn't you know branch out into the the chronic illness community definitely cool well thank you so much for sharing um all of your experiences and stuff like that for the last part of this I just have like some rapid fire questions for you so what is your zodiac sign Oh gosh, I'm gonna get slander for that. <laughs> I'm a Virgo. <laughs> Every time I'm a Virgo, people were like, uh. <laughs> "Okay, well, people say that about every sign." Like, I don't think Virgo gets that much hate. Oh, I get so much hate for that. I, I honestly like, I'm not even that, and I'm not, not even into astrology at all. So I have absolutely no idea like what a Virgo means to people. But every time I say it, they're like, "Oh my gosh!" Like my ex was a Virgo. He's he was trying. 
something like that. <laughs> okay, well, Virgo is the most common zodiac sign. Is it? Yeah. I didn't know that. So, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a bad one. I, I like Virgo. Really? What are you? Pisces. Okay. Now, what what that? Well, Pisces and Virgo are sister signs. So, we're, like, the same but opposite is basically what it means. Okay. So they're, like, different in a lot of ways, but, like, they're the sister signs. So, like, they just express things, like, in, like, Virgo is more about logic. Pisces is more about, like, emotion. Okay. And, like, yeah. Because I was a math major in college, so. So there you <laughs> <I'm> go. <laughs> Very much so <Yeah>. Virgo. <laughs> okay, what is your favorite color? My favorite color. Oh, that's a tough one. What if I have two? <laughs> that's fine. You can have two. <laughs> no, it's a toss-up between, like, blue and orange, I'd say. Ooh. No, I like those. I Like, I like those t- together, too. Yeah, I'm a big fan of orange. That that's the one I'm leaning more towards. Like like a burnt orange. <laughs> yes. I literally just ordered a um a comforter that's like burnt orange color. Oh yeah? I'm excited about it. That's hype. <laughs> okay, what is the best thing about diabetes for you? The best thing? Um definitely the community, hands down. For sure. What is the worst thing about diabetes? Oh, wow. <laughs> there's, there's, there's so many. <laughs> um, I would say just like I think um, the 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 stubborn lows really just drive me nuts. I think that's the hardest part of my diabetes management is like. Low blood sugar in general is just not my because it's it's scary like how low I can get and mm-hmm. sometimes I don't, so it's it's one of the one of the hardest things I think. I would agree with that. Um, what devices do you use? Uh, so currently I am on the Omnipod and the Dexcom. Do you like both of them? Oh, I love them. They're they made my management so much easier than I could have ever imagined. I I was on MDIs for like um, 10 to 11 years. And then I just switched. I, I like took the plunge with the Dexcom and I was like, okay, now that I have the Dexcom, I think I'm going to take the plunge from the only phone. <laughs> but yeah, like once I made the plunge, I was like, why did I wait so long? Like I could have had these so much earlier, but I was, I think I just didn't like having devices attached to me like being tied down to them I don't know that was like the hardest aspect to get yeah over. I I did the exact same thing because I was on um injections for also like 10 years and I was like scared of devices I was like I don't want them and then finally like my diabetic friend like kind of convinced me to try it so then I did a pump and now that I have a pump I'm like I can't go back I love it so much right, what pump are you on now are you on the tandem okay do you like it yeah I like it a lot and then the next thing for me is I'm gonna get a Dexcom so do you have a CGM now or no no I don't I've never Uh, had one before (laughs) it's honestly my favorite like one of my favorite things about like diabetes tech because I love how you can see trends like Mm. I'm a guy so the fact that I can see where my blood sugar is trending like 
oh, that makes my life so much easier. Because, yeah, like, yeah. you just check with your meter, you're just getting a snapshot. Like, you don't know if you're 180 and flat or skyrocketing or mm-hmm. plummeting. It's, it's, there's so many questions with a meter, but. Yep. That's it. That's like exactly what I'm excited for because I am like very active. Like I love going hiking and snowboarding and stuff like that. And like, it makes it really difficult to like check my blood sugar and not know, like, I'm like, Oh, I'm at 130, but like, am I dropping? Like, is it going up? Like, this isn't helpful. I know. It's just like one giant question mark. When you see that number, you're like, okay, where am I headed though? Yeah. That's what I've had to do lately. Is just like, I'll try to like check my blood sugar before like I leave for a hike and then I'll check it when I get there so I'm like trying to see if I'm like going steady or what's happening which works but it's definitely annoying so I'm ready for a Dexcom for sure (laughs) oh you're gonna love it you're gonna have to tell me about it yeah I'll have to like document my experience with it or something okay I have a couple more questions for you are you a morning person or a night person I would definitely say night (laughs) just because like I mean, my blood sugar keeps me up at night and I'm honestly like, I like work late at night. So I, I feel like I'm a, a night person. I, if you ask me to wake up and do something, I'm like struggling to get out of bed. Oh gosh. <laughs> what, what about you? Um, I think I'm more of a morning person. Like I, I like staying up late. So I don't know. I get tired. I, I like being, I would rather like be up early and like get my day going early so I'm definitely a morning person really yeah yeah I think it depends like honestly like sometimes I I can get up and start my day a little early like I have to get up at 7 a.m for work every day but you know some days I just like want to stay in bed I'm like I can't do this (laughs) I feel that for sure (laughs) all right last question is if you were an animal what animal would you be Okay, this is a tough one. I don't know if I should say my favorite animal and just go with that, or <laughs> so my favorite. Okay, fun fact: I used to be really obsessed. I used to have this like fetish with <laughs> with like uh, rainforest animals. Like I used to be obsessed. I would draw them in second grade. Like I would like watch Zabumafu and like all these adventure shows and on um, like discovery channel. And yeah, I used to love like rainforest animals, but there's this one animal that I just super fascinated with. It's called the Kinkajou. It's sort of like a lemur, but it's like, it's like Brown has these like really big bug eyes. (laughs) You have to like Google what it looks like after this. (laughs) You have to go with that. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's that's your final choice. What can you say it one more time? It's called a kinkajou. It's like K I N K A J O or J O U, I think. Okay. Do they do anything cool, or are they kind of just like these little like monkey type of creatures? Um, they're yeah, they're like kind of like a, a monkey, but they 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 hop around and there's I would describe them as like a bigger lemur. I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll take that answer. Well, Dom, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today and sharing all your experiences. Thanks for having me, Kate. I appreciate it. It was an honor being here. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I will have all of Dom's social media links um, and where you can find him online linked in the show notes. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please leave me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and or follow me on Spotify and you can find me on Instagram and TikTok. I'm at Thriveabetic. Um, also, if you have any feedback for me, I would love to hear it. You can email me at thriveabetic at gmail.com. Thanks so much and I'll see you soon.